Thanksgiving weekend. We're a little late on our podcast. It is the Thanksgiving Day holiday weekend, and this has been a actually really nice four days so far, three days so far. Yeah, we're two and a half. I guess we're exactly halfway in the middle of the weekend. I know. No kidding. I don't want to go into the second half of a holiday. Oh, I take that back. We don't even have half. You know, uh, it's just tomorrow we go back. But we have another episode to cover on Sascast with Sarah and Amber, and it's the episode three of Rose Slick. I think it's something like everybody should have a Switzerland or something mm-hmm. like that as a yeah. friend. Meredith Marks is the Switzerland. We can talk about that later. Yeah. We have to apologize to our listeners because it's been four or five days after the episode. But I think both of us were a little bit like ho-hum about the review of this episode. Yeah. I told Amber it did not spark joy. No joy sparking for me. But it did. There were some things that happened that moved the quote, storylines along. So there were good things in it that I had a big guffaws and laughed at. <laughs> Guffaw? Because let's be honest, the show's, honestly, it's taken the United States by a storm. <gasps> Emma Stone called it out on Jimmy. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. She gave a full-on review. Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, Jimmy Kimmel, excuse yeah. me. Was it Jimmy Kimmel? I think Jimmy it was Fallon. Kimmel. No, it was Jimmy Fallon. Okay. It doesn't really matter. It's all about Emma Stone. Yes. And she was talking about how what she said that made this show great is the housewives in addition to the Mormon story. Yeah. So many people don't know about, they know Mormonism exists. And if anything they know is probably from the Book of Mormon. So I do think it does offer something different. And yeah. I think that's true about our podcast as well. I think our podcast offers something different because we're married. And we're a married couple, lesbian couple. And a lot of people find that to be interesting, I think. I don't know who you're talking about. I was totally kidding. But I do have a story I want to tell today. Oh, yeah. Here's what did spark joy for me this morning. <laughs> and usually I'm not having any sparking of joy when somebody wakes me up at five in the pitch black morning. But Amber did so today. And Amber, why don't you tell them why that happened? And I will tell them, but I think it does have to do with, okay, so... Caveat, it's going to be a married story that I'm going to tell right now. We're sleeping soundly, and we have a 15-year-old dog who had neck injury, and so I have to carry her up and down the stairs when she has this incident of neck pain. And Now that she's so old, she frequently will go out in the middle of the night. Yeah, and we sleep... Okay, so I sleep in the nude. And one of the reasons I sleep in the nude is because we are we sleep on a super fucking hot mattress, that mm-hmm. Casper mattress. I kick myself because I had heard from a lot of people that those foam mattresses are super hot. Well, they're yeah, I think that that is absolutely true, but they're so comfortable though. I know they're super comfortable, <sighs> but they're super hot and then you have two women in a bed during menopause on top of it. Yeah. And a dog, one small one, so it's not like a big one, but one small one. So I, there's a lot of heat in the mattress, and I had to get up to let the dog out, and I'm naked. Can I just say something that I work? Yeah. You sleep naked all the time, whether it's on a Casper mattress or not. So what did that have to do with anything? Okay, well, nonetheless, I'm naked <laughs> taking the dog outside. We live in a little area, and we have a neighbor probably 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. Their back door. They're like 
six feet away. Our back door, their back door open up. So when we open our doors, we look at each other. To let our dogs out. Because the fence doesn't go high enough to block our faces from one another, right? So it's five in the morning. So black, pitch black out. Pitch black. And I decide I'm just going to take the dog up and down the stairs. I'm naked. Who cares? No one's going to see me. It's 25 degrees out. Yes. I know. It's freaking, (laughs) freaking freezing. I go outside. I take the dog down, put her down, let her go sniffing. Well, she decides she's going to have a field day and sniff just anything and everything for a while. So I'm standing there hoping she was going to be a quick pee, turn around, come up the stairs. Well, no, no, no. As I put her down and she's sniffing, the neighbor's light goes on, the door opens, and I drop. I literally drop to my knees in a fetal position, (laughs) naked, hugging my knees, and praying that they don't hear me or say anything. Or like look over the fence. And look over the fence. So their dog is also being let out. So there I am. Isn't that a weird coincidence? Why is everybody up at five in the morning letting their dogs out? (laughs) So then I'm there. I think, and I'm going to be honest with you, I... All these things went through my mind, like, oh my God, what if the door locked behind me and Sarah didn't hear me? Now I'm naked. It's the tundra. I'm going to freeze to death. And I think it just went on for probably seven to eight minutes before their dog finished going to the bathroom. And I was able to scoop my dog back up and come into the house. That's a long time. I know. You really think it was... Oh, absolutely. I know. Do you think you would have been frozen? No, I don't think so because you go out. I had so much heat to dissipate when I went out there. (laughs) And by the time I dissipated and then was able to then get cold. But I'll tell you what, you guys. It was so... Oh, it was just... That was a story. A story of a lifetime. Well, it's just an Amber story because in reality, who does anyone know who's going to... In the 25 degree weather is not going to just grab a sweatshirt, grab something, put it on before they go outside in 25-degree weather. Well, it was 5 a.m. and pitch black. I did not think the chances of the other door opening up was going to be that high. But anyway, that sparked some joy for us. Yeah, that sparked some joy for me because she came running in and told me the story. Yes. But anyway, we should probably go into this review of Roslick. It starts out at the Prohibition 20s event that Whitney is putting on. And I have to say, this is the second party that Roslick has produced, lamer than shit. Well, I don't understand the purpose of the party. I think it's just to have a party. You and I kind of talked about how there's no history or storylines between these women yet, really. I mean, it's the third episode of an entire franchise. Yeah. And so they're trying to put them in situations where stuff might happen, I guess. This was not a situation where anything... I don't think anything happened at that party. Yeah, the horrifying stripper came out. (laughs) That man... That ripped his pants off, and then it looked like he was straining. I don't know. He he was good you, on the pole. I mean, that's uh, he, wait, he did not have a good body, but he was good on the pole. Did you notice that? No, I could not get past. Listen, that. dancing on a pole is not easy. No, I I'm not. Have claiming, you ever tried? No, I, I can barely even go. No, around the pole. I'm not claiming. I'm not seriously. Wouldn't wouldn't have you gone on a stripper pole? Well, not no. I just like pretended like I was on a stripper pole, like on a tetherball pole. <laughs> You know, where you're like, oh, let me pretend like this is a stripper pole. So you're at, you're telling, you're reliving a story right now from your youth, but to say you thought then it was a stripper pole, but it was a tetherball pole? No, I think that, you guys, my sister, by the way, she was such a good tetherball player and she was super tiny. We were in elementary school together at the same, she's only two grades behind me and she's super tiny, small, even shorter than me, I'm very short. But she used to kick people's ass on tetherball. But 
actually what I was referring to, Amber, was I think recently I've been at a, maybe walking my dog and saw a play. Oh, I know where it was. We were camping and we'd stopped to let the dogs out mm-hmm. of the van with a camping van. And we stopped at this sort of school ground that nobody was there because of COVID. And they had a tetherball. And remember, they had a merry-go-round, oh, yeah, too. And they right. had a tetherball pole. And then I think I went up to the tetherball pole and thought, oh, I wonder how hard it would be to, to do a strip tease on this. <laughs> Just for myself. It wasn't for anyone. Oh, good And God. it's not easy. I don't. Ball. Okay. It's not. All right. Tetherball's so, not easy, either. But it was a strange party because, do you remember Meredith walks in? Meredith walks in in her 70s pantsuit. Even Whitney called that Whitney. out. Whitney. She did, Whitney yeah. called that out. And then I think it was Mary that saw Meredith's necklace and was like, that is just so 20s or something like that. I don't know what the fuck she was talking about. Meredith was not 20s. No one knew why they were even at the party. Well, what I thought was weird, we don't have to go into the weird guy, manager, owner or whatever of the place that she rented. But what I did think was weird, and I mentioned this to Amber, first off, it's a low housewife standard once again. I mean, we just got finished watching last night Real Housewives of Orange County. And Bronwyn was having her vow renewal and they rented out, what's the, the name Parker of the, the Palm Parker Springs. in Palm Springs, yeah, which is kidding. a super fancy yeah. hotel in Palm Springs. And meanwhile, Rose Slick is renting out not the entire bar, not the entire bar, you guys. They rented out like Portions. a portion, a, a little area of this bar. It's like a pro, like a speakeasy. The rest of the speakeasy was filled with normal people like me and Amber. Not that we're normal. But just normal people were in the scene in their normal, like, Levi's and yeah. jackets, Salt Lake attire. And I was like, really? Rose, like, you couldn't rent out? I promise you, to rent out that speakeasy in Salt Lake City, Utah would not cost that much money. I know. There's no way. So far, it's been pretty bizarre to me. Their yeah. parties. Yeah. You know, even the houses, with the exception of Shaw Chalet. And Meredith. And maybe Meredith, but we've never seen any. Actually, Mary Cosby's house looks nice. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. It's just a different level of the way that, quote, wealth, if you even call it that, is highlighted in the show is right. just different. And, and and I guess, I don't know why I'm acting surprised. We're talking about Southern California versus Salt Lake City. Well, okay, but let's just briefly touch on that. So, you know, when you compare Real Housewives of Orange County with Real Housewives of Roni or even Beverly Hills, those women, in terms of how much money they have, the women in Orange County are just normal I guess you'd call them upper middle class. They're not wealthy women. I mean, you can, they're renting their homes. They're, yeah. you know, they're not. Yeah. They're, that they're, was a big yeah. reveal that everybody, but what's the one that has the, Gina. Gina, Gina. has that smaller condo. She's a townhouse, yeah. And she owns it. And everybody kept saying. Like, oh, we all rent. And yeah. we're like, oh, okay. That's a little bizarre. Yeah. For and, some- and you wonder, are they renting because they need to have those houses for the show or something? I don't know. But even Tamara, though, remember before she got fired last year. She and Eddie, her husband, had just a regular townhouse. So it's just, maybe it's not important. And don't get me wrong. I do think that a few of the women on Roslick have money. And I don't care. Well, I shouldn't say that. No, I don't. Like I said, when we're talking about Real Housewives of Orange County, I don't necessarily want to watch just, you know, your average person in their average house if it's a reality, quote, soap opera show. Right. I want to watch, I do want to see something different. House. Yeah. Well, and something so yeah. different what you don't live, yeah, right? That's exactly. that's what. Nobody that's wants what... to come into this house here and look at our house right now. I can promise you that. <laughs> oh my God, that'd be so boring. It'd be so boring. Uh, so then, well, then it goes to Heather's house. We don't get a big glimpse of Heather's house, but Heather's throwing the baby shower for the five out of 20 women 
employees that are having babies. Yeah. They showed that in the last episode, episode two, where they just gave us a little teaser of Heather throwing a baby shower for her five employees, all under, I believe, the age of 28 years old. Yes. Who was, she was the old one in the group. All pregnant at the same time, all apparently pregnant with boys. And as I mentioned last week, I won't go into it too much, but wow, poor Heather. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, That's a separate issue. That's a separate issue. But I do think even Heather made a comment, something about how it was horrific that they were all young pregnant people. But going back before the baby shower happened, let's just talk, because that was the really... That was was great. Well, it was the only Mormon moment in the show. Think about it. The only Mormon moment in... Episode three was when Heather was preparing for the baby shower and she was talking to her friends. And I would actually say in that moment, because she was talking about how she got divorced from Billy. They were married for 11 years. His name was Billy? Yeah. Billy left Heather after 11 years. And so she was doing this big confessional with Jen Shaw and her business partner. It wasn't a confessional though. It was. Yeah, it wasn't a confessional, but she was doing a soliloquy. What is that word? Soliloquy. <laughs> Maybe a monologue. Yeah, a monologue about how in Mormonism, if I'm interpreting this correctly, is that there's this, as a woman, you want to achieve perfection with your family and you want to have a, quote, perfect family. And you're there basically to, her words, curtail her dreams in order to support him and have this perfect family. Well, what I thought was interesting about that scene, it was Heather and a friend of hers who's not on the show and Jen Shaw. Jen Shaw was, remember, Jen Shaw is a more, she grew up Mormon as well. And she's just recently converted to Islam. But there was Heather talking to them and then they would switch over to Heather doing her confessional and they would go back and forth. And when she was doing her confessional, she actually did a quotation from a former Mormon president. I can't remember his name, where that president had said, that there's nothing that a woman could do outside of the home that would be more important than basically raising her family, taking care of her children, taking care of her husband. That nothing that she would do outside the home was more important than that. So Heather did that quote word for word. And then during the confessional, she was kind of trying to say that she didn't really believe that. But then when they would flash back over to her talking Mm -hmm. to Jen Shaw and her friend, she was visibly upset Mm -hmm. that she wasn't doing that. Oh, I know. And I thought you got a glimpse of kind of the more authentic Jen Shaw. And the authentic Heather. In that moment, because Jen Shaw was like, you know, because Heather said, I have not been, there's nobody in my family has been divorced in four generations. I'm the first one to get Mm -hmm. be divorced. So she has that stigma on her or self-imposed stigma on her. And Jen Shaw was saying... Hey, you know, you have three girls and now you're showing them this other path or what have you and just be authentic and do what you want to do. And I actually thought that was like, I was like, oh, I'd I'd like to talk to more of that Jen Shaw. Well, and there was a moment in that same scene where somebody asked her, I don't know who it was. I might have been Jen who said, so you would rather be married to somebody that you don't love than be divorced and heather said yeah i know i would I'm ra- so because surprised. it's still you know you guys here's the thing i think that when you grow up my observation has been when you grow up in an all-encompassing religion just so you know it encompasses the mormon religion for better or for worse encompasses every aspect of a person's life you've got church on sunday and that lasts all day long in terms of the activities you have family home evening on Monday night. That's a church day where every family stay at home. They have dinner together. They play games. You don't watch TV. You read scripture. It's called family home evening. That happens on Monday. And then 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you're going to have some kind of church activity. You're going to have choir. You're going to have sports activities. I actually participated in a lot of Mormon sports activities because, first off, they're real fun. And secondly, they're trying to, at the time, they were trying to convert me, bring me into the fold, and hence my family would come in after. And I was sufficiently brainwashed not to be converted, that that didn't work. But when you are in a religion like that, that takes up every moment of your day, I think that even when you are leaving that sort of mindset, the way that Heather is apparently doing, where she's saying to herself, you know what, I'm divorced. It's not all about being married and it's not all about raising my kids. I do have a business. I do have friends. I do all of that. But she's still got that nagging, niggling feeling, I, I think, saying, no, this isn't what I should be doing. And you have to really feel for her. And you have to say, good job, Jen Shaw. I'm guessing Jen was in the same position at some point and has saying, you know what? Do you really want to be married to somebody you don't love? Do you really want to feel like you have to be a certain way and not be happy? So I, I thought that that it was a really interesting moment. And it was. It was the only, quote, Mormon moment of the show. Yeah, I didn't actually think about that. But I think you're totally right. After the divorce talk, that was a really, you know, that was some compelling moments of well, that segment. Yeah, and I don't think that it rings true for most of the United States. So I think that when you've got somebody like, let's say, Emma Stone. I don't know. She's not normal. But if you've got uh, somebody living in... You Emma know, Stone, please listen to this one time. <laughs> but when you've got a normal, quote, it's not even, I shouldn't say normal. But when you've got a person living in, let's just say, I don't know, Kansas City, Missouri who's not religious, who's got a family, who's got a job outside the household. And she sees somebody who's all upset about the fact that she's not a stay-at-home mom, raising children, being married to somebody she doesn't love and all of that. They're like, what is that all about? That is not normal. So I do think it's this peek into this culture, and it is a culture, that people don't actually see very often. Yeah. It still exists. It's like it's 1800s almost Yeah, here in Salt Lake City, Utah. So then we jump to Meredith drunk at the blunder moment, right? <laughs> and so Meredith is... Now, this was the most appalling segment of the entire show. It was the best segment. It was the best segment and appalling segment because we were so pro-Brooks after the first episode. You know, he was putting the rope tunnels out. He was doing his mom's makeup. And everybody was like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. This this young man's going to be pretty interesting. Well, and we all, I think, universally, everybody assumes he's gay. Maybe we shouldn't. You know, when you talk to anybody, we, everyone is assuming that he's the cool gay kid. Because let's be honest, the cool gay kids are always the coolest in the group. Well, that's absolutely well, the, the gays, period. But anyhow, <laughs> before we go to the blender moment, there is an ep- there is a shot of Meredith and Brooks is that cool sculpt they're doing together? Oh, what yeah. is that? They're killing fat cells okay. and we should together. Why don't we get that? Mother and son are doing cool sculpt. I, I don't think it's cool sculpt, but they're doing that together. That's one of the initial shots. But I was just like, what the? And is that? At, do you think that they're getting that at Beauty Lab and Laser, Heather's place? No, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't. Okay, I don't. And, I can be wrong. Meredith's in Park City. I think you're right. I think it was someplace in Park City. Yeah, but I, I'm not. I, we're not going like in perfect order of how the show went. But I've got to jump to this part. Because Jen Shaw comes over to Meredith. Meredith has obviously had a couple margaritas already. You can't blame her. You can't blame her. She's going through a separation. And Brooks and Chloe are home. They show Chloe in a cocktail dress, sleeveless. (laughs) Now they're in Park City and it's winter. And they're going to be going to Best Buy. So I'm not sure why she's in that cocktail dress. (sighs) See you guys. Honestly. When we ski, we have been skiing in Park City. 
Yeah. So we see these people. I mentioned it before. The people who have their vacation homes in Park City, and yeah. then they come here to go skiing, and yeah. then nine months out of the year, those houses are empty. But we see those people during the winter, during ski season, like at Deer Valley or whatever. I promise you, not one of those teenage girls that I have ever seen is walking around in that cocktail dress that Chloe, the 18-year-old daughter of Meredith, is apparently wearing in that scene. And so I was just annoyed by that, Amber, because honestly, does this have to be a setup show? Like, why are they feeling they have to dress that way? Why isn't she wearing her leggings and her parka like any other girl that age? Yeah, it's a total setup. And she was with Brooks. Jen Shaw arrives and they are warm hugs. I love you. You're like my own kids. Hug, hug, yeah, hug. Yeah, they like they knew each other. They seem like they knew each other. The kids, and th- and the kids and Jen. And this is where it goes off the rails. Right. Jen Shaw starts doing, quote, high kicks. Matter of fact, she says Meredith likes doing high kicks. And she starts doing high kicks. She has a knit sweater dress. sweater dress on. And she's, and it's all the way to her knees. I know. Way. And she's sitting on the couch facing the opposite direction of Brooks. And she's doing this high kick saying, oh, I, I can't kick in your direction because you'll see my vagina. And that obviously makes Brooks physically ill because you can see it <laughs> on his face. And then she's doing high kicks. Just a couple kicks, by the way, you guys. A couple kicks. She's sitting on the couch. With her doing, sweater dress. Opposite direction. No one's seeing anybody's VJ. And by the way, if you're wearing a knit sweater dress, it clings to your legs. You're you're not going to be able to show anybody anything anyway, unless you're going to open it up. Yeah. But okay, so we didn't even think anything of it until, until they flash to Brooks later. Oh, yeah. So nothing, yeah. So then they go and they're, and it's like maybe the next day or something. Yes. This is after Chloe and Brooks leave going, we're going to go to Best Buy in the cocktail dress. In a cocktail dress. Anyway, so they flip to this other scene where Brooks now is acting like the abusive husband. (laughs) Oh, I'm being honest, you guys. Do you think Meredith is leaving her husband for her son? No, I, no. What is going on? I'm being really serious. He is at the counter making his almond milk. And I used to make cashew milk that way. So I was like, oh, that's a good idea. But anyway, he's lecturing. Meredith. Lecturing Meredith in a very demeaning. Condescending. Condescending, like I'm your boss kind of way. Yeah. And saying I'm feeling really uncomfortable. I was really uncomfortable with the vagina in my face. I am shocked that. You allowed her to do that in front of your children. Uh, your children. And that should never happen again in this house. Chloe shouldn't be exposed, exposed to that. that. I was like, and then WTF. Honestly, I thought abusive. Literally, uh, we looked at each other with our mouths hanging open in shock because we couldn't figure it out. And I said to Amber, I said, Amber. And I said, are, yes. Are they setting this boy up? Because he looks awful now. And... You know, he was a bit, we all loved Brooks in the first, I think it was only one episode, there's only been three. And then suddenly he's acting like his mother's abusive gay husband. And I felt actually bad for him because I thought to myself, did they tell him to say that? Because he obviously did not see Jen Shaw's vagina. Nobody could have or did. He's acting like Meredith's gay, like I said, gay husband. Telling Meredith what to do. Meredith later in her confessional says, yeah, sometimes Brooks is a little over the top and sometimes he's a little, I don't think she said bossy, but that's what she meant, bossy. But, you know, he has a point and we're like, no, he fucking doesn't have oh, a no, point. He has a point. And then she ends up canceling the sleepover with Jen Shaw because she wants, Brooks, t- because Brooks tells Close her she's going to. 
And legitimately or not, I, I'm not, you I'm know, not if you want to spend time with your kids, I totally support that. Whatever. I mean, that's fine. And if your daughter is leaving to go back to college the next day, that makes sense. But I got the sense that he was just saying, no, you're not doing that. And she's like, okay. And her Fran Drescher slash Leah Remini accent. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. I think that she's clearly bossed around by her son. I, what is weird. happening? And he I never, don't even know. And let's not, let's not forget, he took the semester, semester off, off to be with her because of the, the separation. Yeah, I know. And now he's just, well, I, oh. if this was a setup by the producers, because clearly nobody saw Jen Shaw's vagina. If it was a setup by the producers to have Brooks be an ass, it's sure not going to help him any. Yeah, I don't, I don't even understand that. that I, I don't know. Sense. It was bizarre. And it if it wasn't a setup, then Brooks is just an asshole. And now I'm questioning whether or not he's even gay. Because I don't see a gay guy acting like that. Are you kidding me, Sarah? I do. (laughs) Well, okay. Okay, so let's move on. Wait, just let me just say something. So you do because they can be snarky? Oh, yeah. But he wasn't being snarky. He was being abusive husbandy. Yeah, you're right. And let's be honest. I mean, if we have a teachable moment, abuse can happen in any relationship. And it happens in gay relationships, in heteronormative relationships, non-binary. son a son Yeah, any spectrum. So anyway. So... How about Mary Cosby's church? Oh, goodness. How do we, how do we wrap our heads around the Mary Cosby marrying step-grandfather and the church? And how, what, okay, my ears perked up when she said she takes her son to Dubai and Japan and everywhere as they want to go. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know pastors except mega church pastors, mega church ones, the super slimy famous ones. Right. That have all that money because they're scamming something, right? I get nervous about Mary Cosby's money behind her. And is she getting this money off of her congregation? Well, okay. So first off, I think it's interesting that how the producers of Real Housewives Bravo found Mary Cosby, it's really, I have no idea. It's an interesting story. It's interesting. They clearly wanted diversity in the cast. There's hardly any black people here in Salt Lake City. I think the percentage is much less than 1%. It's probably a tenth of 1%. And so I'm wondering, did they go looking for prominent black people in Salt Lake and fall upon her? But apparently, you know, once we've started doing our background research and and it's been showing up in Salt Lake Tribune, actually, in the newspapers here in Salt Lake City recently about the story behind Mary Cosby's church. It's her grandmother's church. I mentioned it last episode. Her grandmother had a moment where she... In the 60s, decided that she was going to found a church in Salt Lake City. She ended up starting this church here in Salt Lake City. She was, I don't know if she's divorced or what, but she had two children from her first marriage. Then she marries Mary Cosby's husband. Yeah. What's his name? Robert? Robert Sr. Sr. Yeah. He is huge. He is a big guy. He is a big guy. He's attractive in a strange way. Oh, do you love his little eyebrows? Yeah. His little eyebrows are so, they're like little rainbows on the. And in forehead. this episode, they showed a picture of her grandmother with Robert Sr. In a, and then they showed a picture of Mary with Robert Sr. when she married mm-hmm. him at yeah. the age of, what, 22. Yeah. Mary touched on this when she was having dinner with Meredith in this episode. And Meredith asked her, when did you cut off your mother, your relationship with your mother? And this goes to what's been coming out in the news stories here in Salt Lake about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Mary Cosby. So apparently there was a huge family feud between Rosemary, the founder of the church, Mary's grandmother, 
She went by Mama. She was known all over Salt Lake as Mama. There was a big family feud between Mama's ex-husband, Robert Sr., who was 20 years younger than Mama. So that makes her pretty, him pretty close in age between the two of Mary Cosby and his Yeah, he's probably 20 years yeah. older than Mary Cosby. Yes, And exactly. 20 years younger, younger than, than Mama. His, yes, yeah. exactly. And then Mary M. Cosby's mother, whose name is Rosalind Cazares. And there was a jury trial. So Mary's mother sued... Robert Sr., years ago, and it went to trial. It's very rare for these types of cases to go to trial. They usually settle. I just settle. play one on TV. Yeah, they usually, they usually settle. And Mary's mother won over a million dollars in a jury trial. So clearly, Robert Sr. was doing something wrong. And in regard to the estate of Mama, clearly, Rosalind, Mary's mother, was the wronged party in this feud between Mary, Robert, and... And her. And it does make you wonder what is going, how, where do they get their money? It's a church, you guys. I don't think people are supposed to be getting rich off churches. Well, which is really more interesting is there was barely maybe 50 people in that one session where Meredith decides to go to church with her and Whitney and Whitney's father. And in the congregation itself, there could have been, okay, let's just be generous and say there could have been more than 100 100 people in that church. So it just seemed a little odd to me, like these mega churches, you know, it's it's the masses that you make the money off of, not the small amounts. So that's why I was kind of curious. And then they're talking about sending the kid to boarding school, private school. They have that big house somewhere. We thought it could be Cottonwood Canyon, but we weren't sure. It well, doesn't matter. It's just a curiosity because churches, I didn't think made money like that. Okay. Well, can I say something? Because I was thinking about this. What if I said no? What if I said no? I'd still say it. Okay. The contradiction in reality when it comes to this. So they decided they do the show and they focus on Mormons. And then they decided to pull in this character who has her own Pentecostal church and who's apparently rich and living the high life, going on trips, you know, sending her kid to boarding school, blah, blah, blah. And in comparison, let me just say this. Say what you will about the Mormon church. There's a lot of bad stuff you could probably say about it. But I grew up in neighborhoods where I live next door to the bishop of a ward as an example. So I won't go into it, but in the Mormon church, people volunteer for their positions in the church. They're not paid. Like the bishop in the local church down the street is somebody who has a regular full-time job and who is also working as the bishop of their church as a volunteer for their church. And those people are not flying on private planes, going on big vacations, Driving around in fancy cars. Or wearing the loofah. Or wearing the loofah baton. Loofah baton. <laughs> so the contrast is really interesting Striking. to me. Striking. And it's ironic. Yeah. Ironic. Yeah. There's more to be uncovered in that story. I think there's some stuff behind that whole facade that I'm kind of interested in. Well, and yeah. which would which makes you wonder like, wow, did the producers dig into the story a little bit? Because that's an interesting casting. I still think she's an important cast member of the show. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I feel yeah. like that we could do without her and just keep Jen Shaw on board as the, you know, the big drama. Yeah. Well, I think Mary Cosby offers something. She's crazy as get up in her I love her facial expressions and I think she's crazy. I do. I think yeah. she's batshit out of her I think they, somebody said that she was in Twilight Zone. Yeah. It will be an interesting next episode. I can't wait for it. In the meantime. Oh, we are going to do another special crown episode, you guys. On the finale. So. Is that the only one? 
Yeah, I think so. Well, we might do that first just because we want to. Yeah. We might so we might have we don't know crown. what we're doing as we'll you can do tell. Crown. But we are going to do another crown episode because you know, honestly, and I'm going to say this in that review, this is some really compelling TV. And I don't think you can necessarily say that about a lot of shows on television. You mean the crown? Yeah. I thought you were talking about roast like <laughs> People think Rose Lick is compelling. You look at these reviews, and I'm like, are they watching the same well, show as we are? Well, here's the thing. I'll tell you why I think that. Like um, Emma Stone. Oh, Emma Stone. I'll tell you why I think episode three, Switzerland, which in Switzerland was Meredith, by the way. I'll tell you why it did not spark joy. It's because there wasn't enough Mormon in it. There wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah. Well, let's hope they bring it on next time. Yeah. And yeah. let's go ahead and wrap this up. I think we've tortured people enough. And we will see you next episode on SASCast with Sarah and Amber.